Hello everybody, we're having tea with Alice. This episode I'm talking with my producer and friend Bryce Halliday and we decided to meet up at the FBI studios because I do an FBI radio show and I very rarely exploit their resources uh, and it was convenient to do so. Things with me are uh, good, I think. Most of the things that were piling up have sort of dissipated a bit. I finished my solo show at Sydney which was really cool and a lot of fun and if you want to download the audio of that bad quality audio or actually now a good quality video of the show you can uh, email me at alicerfraser at gmail.com and I will share you in on a dropbox uh, of the file because uh, I'm high tech (laughs) Uh, so without further ado let's start having tea I'm having green tea because that's good for calming down, and Bryce has a headache, so he's having English breakfast tea. Yes, this is the first tea I've <laughs> tea I've actually had uh, brewed, and I'm drinking on tea with us, which is nice. Yeah, well, last time, what did we have? We had snacks. Yes, but which no I missed tea. out on because I was too engaged in the conversation. I ate all the snacks. <laughs> well, I didn't eat all the snacks. I ate all the snacks that you wanted. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so what uh, what have you been up to? I've been rehearsing like. Uh, nobody's business for about three different shows so improvised um, music mainly and uh, also this week you're directing mainly, but i'm also direct it's a bit strange because i'm also directing 25th annual putnam county spelling bee um, which is a modern musical which is yes a modern broadway musical uh, written with music by william finn um but uh, my understanding is it's or- it was originally written by improvisers and it was originally in the pro format and then william finn sort of came in and made songs for it and then it became a sort of written down script but um, every night still has an improv component in it because there's four audience volunteers who are invited to participate in the spelling bee um, ah. so when they when they sort of when we were bouncing with, with the company exclaimed theatre company when we were bouncing around what shows to do they sort of asked me if I wanted to direct something and I was like oh, I would I would like to I don't know if this whatever the first project is is right because I like I know that I'm going to be away in the middle of of April for for Melbourne, uh, and they were sort of going, oh well, <laughs> we'd still really like to have you. And then they were like, we're going to do spelling bee, and I didn't really know much about the show. But then I like went and watched it. And I was like, oh what? There's improv through it. Yes, yeah, no, me, me, me. Pick please, me, please, please, me, please. What attracts you about improv? Is it that you're just such an amazing musician that normal music is boring to you? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Are I think I always, I, um, I was thinking about this a little while ago. I think. Throughout my teens, whenever I would have a very teeny kind of frustrated moment, I would just go to the piano and start kind of playing my feelings, and that was kind of a way of venting. And I would and I would just do that through whatever music. I wouldn't like pick a song and then kind of play it. Um, and so I think perhaps that maybe like the seed that that was then uh, watered by doing improvs as as a sort of way to just kind of sit at the piano and make something that's working for the moment. Um, that's interesting for for me that was poetry right yours is a much more useful skill poetry is much less uh, (laughs) exploitable I guess so it's very niche what I do Um, it's a good niche though no I know it's a very fun niche but I sort of go oh is it like I do wonder if I could go to if I could travel with it because it is such a niche thing I go true people who are sort of nurses or masses or person like you think those people can just go anywhere in the world. Doctors just mm. drop them anywhere, and they can 
Yeah, yeah. Like, lawyer's very niche. Mm. You don't think it is, but it is. Um, usually it's a six months or a year bridging course to get qualified mm. in a new area. Uh, what else? Well, yeah, I, I have wondered for a while if, if I could just kind of, if I like went to Chicago or one of these other sort of improv, m- improv I'm meccas, sure if, they, if, if it would just be like everybody going, oh my God, we what, what do you do? Do music for everything? Uh, or if it would be the same in Sydney where a lot of people want me to do stuff, but there's, there's, there's you know, only, only so many shows that actually have like a, a proper bo- budget for, for having me involved in them. Yeah, I think it would probably be a bit of both, but because there are more shows in total, you might you might do better. Mm. Also, music is sort of universally translatable. I'm sorry. That's all right. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> uh, impro music. Fun yeah. times. Um. What? So when did the universality of music is what we were talking about before oh, yeah. I rudely interrupted us. Yeah, I guess so. Because you can go anywhere and busk. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So you know that mm. if you are willing to carry a keyboard and an amp wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, know, you know, maybe a piano r- accordion. I only just... Uh, I've had a piano accordion for years and I, I do like it. Um, but it's, even that uh, sort of go is a bit heavy. <laughs> like you're wearing it and it just kind of... Really, really it's like drags a backpack that you can't put anything in. Yes, precisely. <laughs> um, it was only about a year ago I finally got a guitar, and I'd always wanted to learn guitar because mm. I loved the idea of. Actually, it was about a, about probably about eighteen months or so ago that I like did my first proper just straight up doing like a five minute spot on an open mic night, and I like had arrived had you know put together my <laughs> sort of my little five minutes of stand up, and I kind of arrived at the venue and it was like the first time of going oh that's right all i need is myself i'm not sort of i was so used to arriving at at, at venues with just like carting in a piano and, and it's very <laughs> maybe freeing and, and just yeah, doing yeah, stand just up go, oh i just need me and like a bit of wit <laughs> it's interesting i've been doing a couple of the sydney comedy festival gala showcase thingies mm. Mainly, I think, as they're kind of ring in. <laughs> like, I tend to get told about a day before it is, so I think mm. I'm just the person they call when someone else drops out, which is actually a pretty good position to be in. Not as yeah. good as being, like, the fancy person who they always call first, but mm. still, uh, comedians are unreliable. Yes. So it's a, re- it's a fairly reliable position to be in. Um, but they say, oh, are you going to need a sound check mm. to bring your banjo? And I say, No. Yes. <laughs> and so I show up like an hour later, which is amazing. Mm. Just means your call is n- not, you know, four hours out of your day. It's three hours or two hours. Yeah, yeah. So when did you sort of transition from doing kind of theatre sports into doing more kind of sketch stuff and then into doing stand-up? Oh, well, I mean, I did impro um, because my friends did it and because when the first time I saw it, it was no, it well, it was because I, I saw it at, in like an O week at mm. university, and it was this twenty-four hour play in a day by, and Ed Cavalli was doing it, and Charlie Garber, and a bunch of people who were turned out to be just brilliant. And I mean, like I didn't know how brilliant they were at the time. They've, they've mm. gone on to have very successful careers, but I was just sitting there. It was about two o'clock in the morning, and they were kind of hysterical with fatigue, and it was <laughs> so funny. And I thought, I want to be that funny, and I tried mm. it, and I was awful. Mm. 
And I was truly just, I had this idea of what I wanted to do and I couldn't. And so I thought, well, I'll, I can do, I can get better at that. Hmm. And then my friends were doing it and it was just playing. It was just fun. Uh, and one particular friend who I attribute a lot of the good things that I have in my life to him, Scott Huntingdon, who lives in um, Germany now. He's a DJ and he does music under the name uh, So-Called Friend. Mm-hmm. He was one of those amazing people who just brings good people around him. And he made me, like, just by being around him, I was really funny and really charming and, like, the kind of person that I wanted to be at that time but wasn't really. Right. Uh, and I miss his influence because mm. he did, I feel like he made me a better person. One of the best things in my life that I've ever done with my law degree qualification, which I generally tend to feel was a bit of a waste of time, was to help him uh, do his marriage papers to get married to his then boyfriend uh, <laughs> in Germany. But I felt very sad about it because it meant he was leaving forever. Well, not forever, but for mm. the foreseeable future. So, That's yeah, that was impro. And then building up, not being, I was not a good improviser for a very long time. And then I started to get better. And then I started doing the university reviews. And then... Uh, I did the arts review and then I did the law review and then I did the arts review and the law review and the women's review the year I went to Cambridge because mm-hmm. I um, suspended my second semester. This is really boring technical <laughs> detail. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have university for the second semester, so I was there for three months before I flew away, hmm. just hanging around uni doing reviews. Oh, that's which great. Which was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I went into the footlights. Mm with this kind of momentum of just having been writing and thinking sketch, 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 sketch. Mm. And so I went into this very high level, just these amazing people, and I had a little bit of kind of momentum going, so I didn't feel as intimidated as I probably should have. Mm. Uh, And then I came back and felt a little bit like the impro community had closed the gap where I had been. Oh, sure. Okay. And I thought... I don't know if I, I was hurt by that or what. I just thought it would be a lot of effort to mm. try and nudge my way back in. And so oh. I just did one or two stand-up things. And then I left for New York. And in New York, uh, it was really like the, the work I was doing was such long hours. And I was so depressed. I was so miserable. And I couldn't reach out to people to mm. do sketch or to do impro. Yeah. I just couldn't have that. I didn't have that energy for reaching outside. I needed Scott there (laughs) (laughs) to teach me how to make friends again. Um, And I couldn't. And so I just started doing stand-up. And then Mm. you build that kind of stand-up community where everyone who does stand-up is more or less a loner. So you have these kind of connections that you build on your own terms there. It's a strange group to hang out with. (laughs) They are. It's fascinating. I mean, really, by rights, so many stand-ups get screwed over for cash that we should Mm. have a union. Mm. But just the very idea of getting... Of getting stand-ups to form it's like hurt, It'd be hurting cats, really. It'd be hurting mm. angry, angry, resentful, antisocial cats <laughs> who define themselves by being other, define mm. themselves by being outside groups, define themselves by undermining authority. You just couldn't... Mm. It just wouldn't work. This has been such an interesting week for me because um, this Sunday is the first session of On The Spot Musical, which is this... Um, thing I've, I've actually been trying to put together for about six months or, or maybe even 
wouldn't be quite a year, but uh, whenever the whenever the the Hayes Theatre sort of venture was announced that that um, there was a group of of independent musical theatre producers um, that included uh, J. James Moody from Squall Logic and Neil Gooding and a few other people who, I, who I'd sort of I'd kind of known and been on the and was sort of acquainted with them, but they were all getting together to kind of take over the Darlinghurst Theatre and start this new theatre in in Potts Point that was going to be just for musical theatre and was going to be their sort of attempt to kind of have like a, a version of an off-Broadway space in, in Oh, in wow. Sydney. Did they do that successfully? Yes, it's been phenomenally successful. I'm incredibly intimidated. I've but never as, heard of it. As soon as, as soon as it was announced that they were like going to do that, I put together a pitch to go um, and just like that afternoon and threw all these people's names in as, as sort of creatives that I hadn't t- t- spoken to about it at all. But it was like, oh, I'll have Jim and Marco and then sort of sent it in and then... Um, uh, yeah, a couple months ago they said, "Oh yeah, we were chatting about that thing at the at the, um, you know, whatever our programming committee or thing is." Um, and yeah, well, yeah, we'd love to have you guys come in and do an improvised musical. And I was like, "Oh my god, okay." Um, so yeah, no, their first their first production was Sweet Charity, and I think that was about February, February or March, um, and that was amazing. That had Verity Hunt Ballard in it, who was um, Mary Poppins for the last. In, in Sydney and Melbourne I think um, and that was followed up by The Drowsy Chaperone which was just uh, is a, just an extraordinary musical and apparently Geoffrey Rush starred in the Melbourne version and he popped in on one of the last nights to see what the competition I was like barreled into Geoffrey Rush on a staircase th- <laughs> from an improv thing it was some one of the Cranston semi-finals mm. or something we were in the Belvoir yeah. and I I was bolting because I was late and I was running up the stairs and just basically <laughs> crash tackled him into a wall <laughs> and then was still so rushed that I just kind of set him on his feet and was like sorry and ran away and then I was like I think that was too rushed <laughs> oh shit I nearly ruined Australia's greatest hero uh, a friend of mine was in line for like a show at NIDA and was just chatting to the guy behind him about the he was sort of saying oh yeah what do you do oh I'm an actor oh yeah I'm an actor too I just like did this commercial what are you up to oh I just like finished a movie or two and it was like it wasn't until like halfway through the show that he sort of turned around and spotted this guy's face and the camera was like oh my god I was talking to Hugo, Hugo Weaving for like 20 <laughs> minutes I didn't realise I think that's really good I think that's why I don't watch much comedy hmm. um, and I don't <laughs> well podcasts are good for that because I went to the podcast festival and I just got to meet people there is one of those d- yeah in LA that's the reason oh, right. I started this was because I went to the podcast festival and I'd been a podcast listener for years and years and hmm. wanted to start one and hadn't found someone to do it with hmm. Uh, and then I th- and I didn't really know any of the tech stuff and just didn't have the motivation to do it out of the blue. And I went along um, because I was there for a corporate and I just thought, I'll go, I'll go, it'll be great. And I met all these people and because I didn't know who they were, I could just talk to them like people without mm. feeling intimidated or weird or like I was being pushy. Yeah, Because yeah. you do feel like that. You feel like you're being pushy if you go up to someone who has given you so much as, mm. as though you're asking for more. Um, and uh, then I ended up being on Mark Maron's yeah. podcast <laughs> for like five seconds. But <laughs> that was such a weird moment for me because I'd sort of seen something mentioned on Facebook but I hadn't at all connected to the dots until I was listening to the episode and I'm like, Alice, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people had that experience, I think. Because, I mean, it wasn't like I was there as a guest. I was just there as an audience member who he, no, yeah, who he hassled. Mainly because we'd had an awkward interaction in the lift, I think, was why mm. he noticed me as right. sitting in the, whatever, third row. And and then I was like, well, he has millions of listeners. Mm. 
So at least three of them might look me up. Might look, yeah, yes. Uh, and so I thought I should have a podcast by then. And then uh, whoever the fellow after you was that just ru- oh, he ruined, was ruined whatever time. Was he drunk? I don't know. He, he was mad. He yeah, was he was genuinely totally bizarre, insane. He? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Chunky B or whatever his name was, Chucky B. Very crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, I thought, well, I should have something to give if people do look me up online. Mm. Uh, and so I did. And right. then when it came out, you know, I had a little, like, a little tiny little spike in my website things. And mm. by then I'd already been doing, because it came out quite a lot, long time after mm. the actual recording, because I assume yes, he has course. them backed up to the wazoo. And I think he was publicizing something with um, Dave Anthony, who was one of the co-organizers of that festival mm. such a great festival like really like sounds fantastic it was so nice just everyone was lovely i think because podcasting is this intimate thing you know mm. it, you you only no one's ever not in the mood for your podcast yeah they're never going to listen to you if they're not in the mood I for know, you they've, they've selected you so they're already when if you're listening now it's because you think you want to mm. listen to me so you're already it's already this amazing thing where no one's ever frustrated or angry yeah. while listening to them. This bloke who keeps interrupting you and saying, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone loves you. Uh, um, I, I certainly appreciate your producing <laughs> skills and also nice person skills. It's a rare um, thing to find in the world, nice person. Mm. Oh, yeah. But so uh, this week's been uh, kind of an amazing week because, yeah, all... all did you just deflect the compliment completely? Yeah, yeah, I changed the subject back to what I was talking about before. Good, Thank good. you for calling me a nice person. That's nice. I try so to, you I should. Try, I try to be a nice person. <laughs> Do you secretly um, think you're an evil person? Most of the nice people I know think they're I don't think not I'm good evil. People. Um, but I mean, I guess... I think, yeah, I, I, I probably am an asshole sometimes and therefore try to... <laughs> Do you over, think you're naturally over, an it. asshole? Yeah, if you didn't try, mm. do you think you would default to asshole? No, probably not. It's pretty ingrained now to <laughs> over- override the... Because I think people who convince themselves that they're good people are often not necessarily no, not good at all. people. If they're just like, I'm just a good person. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. Um, what were you talking about? Now we can return to the topic. Oh, yeah. Now we've properly um, addressed your niceness. Uh, well, this, this comes... This show totally... Um, uh, points at something I've been thinking about for a while, which is that kind of difference between when you are improvising music or, or sketch or whatever and when, when it is sort of written down. Because the, the the objective from the start when I was thinking about how I wanted to do an improv musical uh, was that I I love cabaret and I sort of sort of was a cabaret artist before I started doing improv, but then improv kind of took over. You look and, good in and, heels. And, uh, <laughs> um, and this is, I guess, part of my attempt to kind of bridge the two worlds for myself. Because, yeah, each, each night there's a cast of six, but uh, four of them are uh, improvisers that I know and love and have sort of, and I know they can sing and I'm sort of working on their sort of song skills. But then I have gotten to um, cabaret artists each night. Um, uh, so Marika Aubrey, um, who's just wonderful, and um, uh, Mark Simpson is doing one night and Blake Erickson's doing the other night. And they're, and all, all three of them. I sort of, I, I sort of figured they'd probably have a little bit of a bent for it. They, that mm. they would at least be keen to give it a try. Um, and has that worked and out? And yeah, like all three have been absolutely terrified. And like this, they've, but in the rehearsals they've been absolutely amazing, but not realised that 
they um, are. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of like, I don't know, I guess they fall into that trap of thinking that that it, that like a fully formed play is just going to spill out of their mouth just because and maybe they've seen other improvisers who are very good at convincing everyone that a fully formed play is coming out of their mouth when that's, that's not, not what's the happening case. at all. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's sort of been weird spending the last kind of, you know, 10, 20 minutes of every, of every rehearsal going, you know, everything you did today was like fantastic, right? There was like... Nothing I wrong wanna, with it. There's like little sort of tweaks and little tools that I want to give you to make it even easier for yourself, but all of your instincts are totally perfect. Like, you know... It's funny, when I talk to my uh, twin... He always leads with criticism. Right. And it's normally after he's just completely torn me to pieces that he goes, by the way, this is coming from a place where I think you're already really good. Like, <laughs> And then you go, you could have told me that at the beginning. Now I've lost faith in everything. <laughs> uh, so it's a similar thing where mm. you're giving them these tweaks and they're reading them as criticisms. Yeah, yeah. Because they have this just essential doubt. Yeah. But yeah, it's like so Jim, who's kind of, uh, like I've sort of taken the lead on it um, but he's sort of um, co-director. co-directing it with me. Uh, he he sort of only, only realised a couple of weeks ago, he was like, yeah, maybe it is a totally different headspace to be a musical theatre artist where you are sort of crafting a song and all the beats in it and you do just do it over and over again and you do kind of craft it out and that's a different kind of thing.